Hi guys and welcome to the latest MSC Performance Podcast with me, Mark, and today I'm joined by Mr. Luke Rogers. How you doing, Luke? I'm good, mate. I am very good. Enjoying the weather. I have my cold brew uh, from St. Kitchen. Uh, use code LUKE10 if you want 10% off. Best cold brew in town. Wish I knew that. Wish I knew that. Got the uh, Barbell Club stash on as well. Yep, yeah, we've, uh, we've got some new t-shirts uh, ready to launch. So if you're interested in getting a Barbell Club t-shirt to represent the gym and represent the Barbell Club, they're available now. You can try them on in the gym. You can try the, uh, all the colours, <coughs> see what you like best. And I think they're £15. Yeah, all the colours. We've got black or grey. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we've, got, uh, yeah, we've got some in stock now, guys. So uh, we've obviously got our online shop, but we've also got some in stock. Um, in house, in house, in house. So yeah. Um, second, days. second plug, Metcon Games. <clears throat> yeah, uh, 2.0 is coming the first of July. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, last last year was a massive, uh, massive, massive yeah. success. Um, so yeah, Metcon Games 2.0, July the 31st. It's going to be a big, big day. Uh, it's going to be a big competition during the day. Very friendly, very relaxed. All ability levels welcome. Yeah, um, one thing to say is people are getting a little bit worried that they're not quite at a level to do the games, but it's, it's very like, it can be catered to every single person. It's a very mixed level of people that are doing it. So there's not going to be anyone that would do it that would be massively out of place. So if you're thinking about doing it and you're getting put off because you don't think you're quite good enough, please don't let that put you off because it's a very mixed level of people. The events are going to be very easily scalable. So it's just going to be a good, fun, a little bit competitive, but the, yeah. the emphasis is mainly on the fun. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so any ability levels, uh, welcome. Um, you know, it's, it's just about coming down, having a good laugh, good social. And maybe meeting um, other people that you don't normally get to train with because we all train at different times. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, looking for it to be a really big big day. So, um, like I say, if you're, you know, if you're even thinking about competing, just do it. Just get your name in the hat. And if you want to come down and watch, the more support, yeah. the more people, the merrier. Um, it's going to be a big social. It's kind of in line to celebrate our sixth birthday. Um, so it's actually this Sunday that will be our sixth yeah. birthday officially uh, on the 13th of June. Um, but we're going to be using that opportunity with the Metcon Games on the 31st of July to celebrate our sixth birthday. So we'll have the Metcon Games during the day. Uh, we're yet to finalise times, but it's going to be roughly about sort of 10 till 2, I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll stick around for a, uh, a quick drink afterwards. And then we're going to uh, book somewhere out in the evening and get a, a good social and a bit of a session in the, uh, in the evening. Absolutely. Maybe at the actress and the bishop. And the bishop. Let's see, let's see what happens. Um, so, yeah, get yourselves involved, guys. Um, so, moving on, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the podcast uh, for today. So, we're going to talk a little bit about conditioning. Um, so, conditioning, uh, why we do it. Um, how we can do it and when to do it as well. Um, so nice bit of in-depth work uh, and chat around uh, around that uh, around that subject. Um, so, do you want to sort of intro to the guys, Luke, as to what what conditioning is and a little bit of chat about energy systems, output capacity stuff. Sure. Um, so yeah, conditioning is a very vague term. It could mean a lot of things, and it's going to mean a lot of different. It's going to mean different to a lot of a lot of people. If you're a sports athlete, conditioning is going to be very sports-specific to what you're doing. Uh, we obviously do the Metcon, which is a more general conditioning-based session. Uh, for that one, we like to keep it nice and simple, where we have our output work, which is more based around developing your speed and power qualities. 
and there's lots of different protocols that we use for that. But it's very much focused around like your A-lactate work, which is short periods of high intensity, um, but needs a lot of recovery work. So that's why in the sessions you see like six to 12 seconds of work with about anywhere from like 40 to talk to like a minute, two minutes of recovery, really trying to prioritize your output. Um, the second half is more of your capacity, which is developing your aerobic work. Uh, capacity, as it's saying, is building up your building up your capacity, building up your, your base of aerobic fitness. So more sustainable amounts of work, trying to keep a, a, de a decent um, amount of work up without a drop off in speed. Um, so examples of that would be long periods of, of work with, with shorter recovery because the aerobic system isn't quite as, as demanding and doesn't require as much recovery work to sustain the effort. So. Yeah, I think the big thing for people is, um, you know, if they've, if they've come into the gym and they're doing Metcons and they're not used to working with high output for short periods of time, that can be a really strange kind of feeling and transition because I think a lot of people have uh, done aerobic stuff before, whether that's like running or on the bike or anything like that. Um, but like, yeah, just, you know, I think just a, a little bit of extra emphasis on the, on the, on the timings of things, like you say, you know, with the, with, with the high intensity work and some of the a lactate work, you know, in the Metcon classes, we do do work that's between like you say, six and 12 seconds. Um, and then with that, it's a longer recovery because we're looking to work at high power output, you know, as, as hard as we can for that short period of time It is very taxing. And then we want the longer recoveries so that we can try and repeat that kind of same intensity. If we're doing like, you know, six to 12 seconds as hard as we can, and then we're resting for 10 seconds or 15 seconds or 20 seconds, and then trying to go again, we're not going to repeat that same kind of power output. Um, and I think like that's probably something that's a little bit hard for people to get get used to. And I think the problem with that is when people think that they're doing high intensity work, they're getting mixed up with like percentage of output versus actual perceived exertion. Yeah. Um, so rather than thinking, oh, I'm working really hard and intent, I think the intensity is linked to how out of breath they are. So you look at workouts like, um, oh, what was that one everyone does? The, um, the online one, everyone went mad for it. CrossFit one. Not CrossFit, the... Um, the bodyweight workout, was it? No, oh, um, P60 and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Christ. You get the idea. Anyway, insanity. Insanity. So they say it's high intensity training. And, you know, the guys are gassing their breath. But by definition, that is capacity work. Because if you can sustain it for that amount of work, it's aerobic. It's, not, yeah. it's, it's pure aerobic. Isn't Absolutely. It? So yeah. people think when we're talking high intensity, they're thinking, oh, wow, okay, it's 50 seconds of work, 10 seconds of recovery. And that's what people think high intensity is. But by definition, it's, it's, it's not high intensity because the percentage of your max output that you're working at is so low to sustain that effort. But then when people have that perceive of what the output work is going to be, they're coming then to do six seconds of work, 10 seconds of work, and they're working kind of at the same speed that they've been doing. 40 seconds out, 50 seconds off, of course it's going to be easy. But when you can switch the emphasis to being more on trying to you know, really produce maximal speed, maximal power, and it's, it's not going to be out of, you're not going to be gas, you're not going to be out of breath, but if you're focusing on speed and force production, it's completely different. And if you were to do like a, a max broad jump and then see how long it would take to get back to that base of, of level, if you had 30 seconds rest, you're not going to be able to produce a max effort broad jump again. In a minute, you're probably not going to be able to, but you'll be closer to, to keeping that same kind of level. So I think a lot of it comes from people's perceived of what a perception of what high intensity is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not we're not going to go into too much depth on energy systems today because that can be a bit boring. But yeah, essentially what we're doing is trying to replenish the ATP and be able to produce more power. And if we're not resting long enough, then we can't really we can't really produce that. That's probably one of the biggest misconceptions in the industry is like what actual high intensity training is. 
like you say, it's like, you know, it's kind of can come across quite sort of sexy terminology and a, a lot of places will try and, you know, use it, like whether that's coaches or gyms or anything like that, like right, we do a hit session and it's like, like you say, it's like that kind of insanity style workout where you're working for like 10 minutes nonstop yeah. and then you're having a bit of recovery and it's like, well, that, like you say, by definition, that's not actually high intensity work. Um, you're working, working aerobically, which is fine, but yeah. it's just, you know, making sure you can uh, determine uh, determine the differences, really. Um, I think it does take a couple of sessions. So, like, when it is, like, let's say, an example, is yesterday's session was, like, a 10-meter max effort powder sprint. And, obviously, 10 meters pushing the sledge is easy if you do it slow. Like, it's not a far distance. You're not going to get out of breath. Um, but if you're trying to maximum produce speed and power, push that sledge as hard as you can, you, it, is, it is taxing. And you need time to recover, or you're going to see that speed drop. But if you enter that 10 meters and push it at the same speed that you could push it for 100 meters, of course it's going to be easy. And it's not going to yeah. get the, the adaptations that we're after of the speed and power where to work in those energy systems, you can't just work for eight seconds and say you're working a lactate. You need to be working at like maximal output and these maximum speeds, like 90% plus yeah. of your, your max efforts in terms of speed development is what's needed to get the the adaptation that you're after from it and i think that's sometimes a little bit missing yeah definitely yeah that's a really good point actually like um you say yeah it might say on the board a lactate work eight seconds but if you're working in, in, in at an intensity which is aerobic and steady state then it's aerobic like it's not you know you know you're not developing the, the systems you're looking to so yeah certainly things to to be to be aware of i think for for listeners is when you're doing your conditioning work just identify what it is you're trying to uh, develop making sure the timings are right and then the the actual output and intensity that you're working at matches that um do you find like do you think there's prerequisites to doing the electric work because we all know that because it's output like having a good base of strength and power is going to be really beneficial so in terms of like these adaptations that we're after the people that have got that kind of bigger strength level bigger power level are going to be able to get a little bit more from the lactate sure. work than someone that might have a bit of a strength deficit but might be really aerobically fit yeah uh, but might not be able to have the power to actually produce enough to, to maybe get out the 100 100 i think like that's that's the beauty of strength and conditioning as a holistic approach like an overall approach and why you know no matter how much of a bias your goals might be towards conditioning there's always a place for doing sure. strength work, like always. Um, because like you say, if we're talking about like, you know, output and a lactate six to 12 seconds, as we know, the bigger the strength base, the more foundation we've got to, to produce power in those short periods of time. Yeah. Like I say, if we're doing a six second watt bike, you know, max power output, obviously the stronger the legs are, the more power we can produce, the, you know, the, the, the better response we're going to get you know, conditioning wise as well, you know, not to mention all the, all the, in, you know, injury prevention or reduction risks from just doing strength training, purely output, just looking, yeah. just looking purely from a, you know, we could, we go on all day about that, but just talk, you know, looking at two conditions just from an output point of view, absolutely 100%. If looking at conditioning as a whole, and like I said, you know, your, your goals might be in your head, purely conditioning based and that's fine. You know, that, that's no problem at all. But the benefits of doing strength work is you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck when you're doing your, your, your output stuff. And generally speaking, if you're, if you're well-trained aerobically, that's going to carry over into your aerobic system as well. I think it's similar to like when we talk about like your, your vertical integration, everyone should be doing strength training and 90% of people, 95% of people should be doing some kind of conditioning work. Um, but obviously the dosage has changed depending on your, your dependency of your goal. Having like a, 
the ability to deadlift three or four times your body weight is at some point it's diminished returns to your conditioning. But having a good foundation where you can deadlift maybe two times your body weight at the deadlift would set you up with a really good foundation. Any stronger than that, if your goal is conditioning, sure. might be at a time spent on the conditioning. But having that little bit of a base and foundation is a really good thing to do. Uh, so I think it's again, like we just said, with strength conditioning as an overall approach. Uh, some people are going to spend more time doing strength work with a smaller dosage of conditioning. Yeah. But people's goals are to be really good at conditioning. You still need to have that little dosage of strength training to get as much yeah. as you can out of your conditioning work. 100%. If you look at a scale from, you know, if, we, if we're talking about a, a goal or a sport that requires the highest possible maximal strength, we could we could have powerlifting on one end of the scale. And on the other end of the scale, we could have um, marathon running. Um, and then in between, we might have field sports or, yeah. you know, just general people looking to be, you know, fitter, stronger, et cetera, et cetera. And through that, through that whole scale, we want to be doing strength and conditioning, you know, on that sort of concurrent approach. But it's, you know, obviously if we're, if we're a powerlifter and we're, you know, very much down that strength end of the system, it's going to be obviously a lot less conditioning than yeah. the marathon runner, but the powerlifter still wants to do a little bit. Of, of conditioning work maintain some work capacity keep up a decent amount of recovery in between yeah there's a lot of benefits exactly um and on the other end of the scale the marathon runner okay let, let's be honest the marathon runner needs to do a lot of miles on the road so are they going to have the same time and capacity to to develop their strength? strength training four times a week it, for three hours it, <laughs> it, exactly yeah. you know we, they're having to you know hit a certain amount of, amount of mileage per week uh, to obviously you know develop the aerobic system make themselves robust um you know and, and conditioned to to the actual you know output of uh, and demands of, of running but that little bit of strength work you know once or twice a week is going to make huge a huge difference and you know i think like you know i think you'll probably admit like on the powerlifting end of the scale that's probably neglected a little bit by by some and certainly on the on the marathon side you know the strength work is massively yeah. neglected um and then you have your guys in in between so like if we if we talk about field athletes for example you know um i'll use use my example of rugby like you know obviously need to be strong need to be powerful but need to get around the park for 80 minutes need to have a good aerobic base so i might not have it's all about diminishing you know returns okay it's like yeah absolutely i should be hitting like certain strength standards and you know i'm always looking to push that but at the same time it's within the time frame that i've got within the you know without for example like in the in the pre-season obviously i need to build up um a certain amount of, of conditioning um you know and i it would be unbeneficial for me to sacrifice let's say two conditioning sessions a week to spend you know two extra sessions on the deadlift to get that deadlift from whatever it might be to you know 230 to 240 or 250 or whatever it might be so you know I might be able to put that extra time in to get those strength gains up a little bit but i diminish the thing that you know one of the more important components of uh of fitness and for the sport um so yeah um we'll say th- yeah things to things to consider um so we've talked about you know going to a bit more fat loss and versus yeah. performance i think that'll be a, yeah. a nice transition into in, into that really so who who's conditioning for what are the benefits sure so i think with that so people with default if, if they've got a fat loss goal a lot of people automatically think I need to be doing the metcons or I need to be doing conditioning work. First of all, they neglect the strength work. We've already spoke about the benefits of, of strength training. And if you're, you have a fat loss goal, you would do well for trying to preserve as much muscle mass as you can while trying to drop body weight. Uh, the last thing that you want to do is 
completely negate your strength work. You just focus on like conditioning. Let's forget about Metcon, aerobic conditioning. If all you did was aerobic conditioning, you do no kind of power work, no speed work, no strength work, you're gonna lose a lot of lean tissue and you're gonna lose you're gonna lose body fat, but you're gonna lose lean tissue. And when people desire a certain look, they wanna try and hold on to they do a good job of trying to hold on to as much mus, uh, of lean muscle tissue as they can. Um, so when people say they have a fat loss goal, um, I recommend still trying to do your strength training, but also I would I, if I had to choose between one or the other, I would choose like a lactase, speed and power, output conditioning, over just doing aerobic conditioning. Yeah. I think a combination of the two is absolutely great, but like we know the benefits of strength work, we know the benefits of speed and power work, and that's gonna help you maintain your lean tissue while dropping body fat, versus just doing 40 minutes on the bike, or just doing your aerobic work, which is not gonna do as good of a job to try and preserve your muscle mass. And it's very difficult to preserve slash gain muscle mass in a, uh, in a, in a caloric deficit, which is the most important thing for your fat loss. Um, so yeah, trying to do your strength work and trying to do some speed and power work would be the best thing for it. The second thing to think about is from a fat loss perspective is people are looking at like caloric output of an actual individual session. And you could work as hard as you could in a conditioning session. Let, let, let's forget about the outliers and the one percenters that are going to burn 800 calories, 1,000 calories in a session. Most people are going to burn what? 300 to 500 calories in a session, which is a, a chocolate bar. I would rather, like uh, James Smith always said, that he'd rather not eat the chocolate bar and not have to do the conditioning. So if your goal is fat loss, you're trying to get yourself into a caloric deficit, which is going to take care of 90, 95% of, of the fat loss. So then from there, it's trying to preserve your muscle tissue. And it's, uh, it's yeah, trying to keep up the speed and power limits because there's a lot of benefits to that while being in the caloric deficit versus just doing your cardio. Yeah, 100% agree. I think like you're, you're fighting a losing battle there, aren't you? You're pissing into the wind a little bit if you're, if you're going tit for tat and saying, right, okay, like I can, I can eat that. And then I'm going to, right, I've, I'm, you know, right, I'm burning 300 calories in a session or 400 or 500, got to keep going. Um, you're probably fighting a losing, losing battle there. Um, I, yeah, exactly the same approach for me. Like, you know, focus on being, being strong, um, you know, moving well, being powerful etc etc and like from from an aerobic point of view as well like you know just maybe you know perhaps on those off days getting you know getting step count up something very, very basic like that that isn't going to eat into you know the recovery from the from the strength side of things can be a good uh, good way to go really well if you compare like doing a session compared to accumulating ten thousand steps for the day the ten thousand steps is probably going to do more of the caloric burn than it is going to be from doing the actual cardio session so if you're looking for a fat loss perspective increasing your overall activity is going to be a really good thing to do and then it's trying to preserve and maintain these qualities that are going to help you achieve the look that you want and even if you don't think that's the look you want it is the look that you want like no one wants to be skinny fat like yeah most people want to try, when they talk about trying to get leaner, they want to maintain their muscle tissue. Yeah. And strength training and speed and power work is going to be a really good thing for that. And another thing to think about is as people get older as well, like people say your strength drops off as you get older. Mm -hmm. The first thing that drops off is speed and power. Mm -hmm. Like you see people in their 50s still hitting big PBs yeah, and strength yeah. movements, yeah. but you're never going to see a 40-year-old run the 100-meter PB. Like Usain Bolt's not going to, at 40 years old, break his 100-meter record. He's just not going yeah. to, so... I can confirm that uh, ah. speed speed drops off a little ah. bit, yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of trying to reduce the deficit that that happens from, you would do a good job to keep your speed and power working, absolutely. So for older populations, again, that their preconception is, oh, I'm getting a little bit older, I probably shouldn't be sprinting, I shouldn't be jumping. You absolutely should be trying to maintain yeah, that speed yeah. and quality as long as you can and reduce the amount that's going to drop off, just naturally do it as you get older. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, good... Uh, I think good tweet I saw from uh, Eric Cressy the other day who said about that, like, you know, for once people get into their 20s, they just neglect 
you know neglect that side of things yeah. and this but you know what why do why do we accept like a loss of athleticism for 75 percent of our our life and i think that's a that's a really interesting thing um but yeah 100 percent. like you know train athletically get strong get powerful do your speed work do your high intensity stuff um you know, and with, with, with speed training, okay, like, yeah, like naturally, like you say, you don't see, you know, 40 year olds or 45, 50 year olds, like, you know, breaking 100 meter records, but we can still train those skills and try and maintain them as best as we possibly can. Because if you stop, then, yeah, you're going to lose it at a pretty, uh, pretty fast, uh, fast rate. From a fat loss perspective as well, so like we've talked about trying to maintain your like lean tissue and these speed and power qualities, which just improve your overall quality of life. Um, as well, like, it's, um, yeah, the main thing is, I forgot what I was trying to say there, um, the caloric deficit is the most important thing. Um, you're not going to burn that many calories doing a speed and power, but it's just creating that overall deficit, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Like you say, it's activity levels, isn't it? Like, right, I think it's getting people into the habit of, like, rather than looking at an individual gym session, right, how many calories I've got to burn, right, I've got to come in and I'm looking to lose a bit of weight, so I've got to work, I've got to work like, 100%. I've got to work really, really hard for the hour. Um, and, right, great, I've burned 600 calories fantastic i mean like you say you're much much better off just looking at an overall approach yeah. in, increasing your overall activity levels throughout the week as well as you know not just hitting that that one session um, much like with a diet like one bad meal is not going to make or break your prep work the multitude of it is going to i remembered what i was going to say so i was going to talk about from like an aerobic perspective if you just wanted to build up your aerobic fitness rather than doing just the bike for 40 minutes three times a week you're going to get just like like any sport you're going to get repetitive injuries from just doing that as well as the monotonous nature of it if you did like the kind of conditioning style we would do for your your um capacity work your aerobic work there's a lot more movement variability in there which we know movement variability is great for reducing like uh, these little injuries that happen from repetitive movements but also just like that variability is just more interesting as well um, so it's a chance to do some carries it's a chance to do some single leg work it's a chance to do some rotational work and these are all qualities and movements that you should be able to do well and um, that you do lose from just doing like your kind of cardio piece of equipment for yeah, 40 I think, minutes. I think people do get confused with that. Like they're looking for looking for fat loss and or weight loss and they're thinking, right, okay, yeah, I've got I'm gonna pick a you know, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do, do the bike or the cross minutes, trainer yeah. or, or I'm gonna run. I need to run. And it's like like you say, like, you know, in term, in terms of exercise selection, if we're doing the same thing over and over again, then as we as we know we can get those re repetitive type injuries. Yeah. Especially if we're overweight as well. Yeah. So like running's a big one for me where like people will go zero to turbo like within a week and they're doing loads of miles and they're overweight the, the, the week they're bad te bad technique you know the, the the muscles the joints are weak they can't absorb the impact that road running is going to cause at the weight that they're at you know it's a lot of impact yeah. on the bike it's less impact but you're in that seated position you know you spend you know the, the you know the, there's plenty of you know plenty of links and research with you know long periods on, on bike and hamstring injuries for example like you say you know you choose the bike and it's like right okay well that's great but like you say you sat down all day at work you sat in your car driving to and from work you get home you watch netflix and you sit down yeah. and then you go to the gym and you want to sit down you know that's always been a big one for me and again it's nothing against the bike absolutely throw it in we use the bike a shitload in the, in the metcons yeah. and with our with our clients but it's, it's, it's that, that variation. So I think this is a really good point of like, if we are looking for that, that weight loss with your conditioning, 
variations the the, some, the key you know it's some like rotational work some carries some frontal pain some rotate yeah absolutely as much movement variability in there as you can it's definitely going to be a good benefit to to everything like you said just avoiding this one plane the whole time is going to degrade and, and do wonders for your body yeah like i said being on the bike all the time in that flex over hunch position your hips always in a little bit of flexion compared to standing up tall and doing a suitcase carry into a sledge drag into a, a rotation with the ball they, that, that's three different movements there that are going to have three different benefits getting your body into different positions is going to be great for you with that in mind should we uh, sort of move into a little bit more about exercise selection and talk about like skill skill aspects yeah. as well yeah um so in the metcon you know if we talk about like low skill versus high skill when we're doing our conditioning work obviously we've got the bikes we've got the rowers we've got ski ergs you know thing you know things like that that um you can go wrong, but you know it's it's fairly low skill, fairly you know easy to teach, easy to do. And with our metcon sessions, especially when we're doing conditioning ourselves, we're big fans of keeping the skill level quite low on the conditioning levels. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. Like one of the reasons is if we're doing high skill work under fatigue, then the risk of injury is obviously a lot higher. Um, you know, for example, like if we're the, the, the the aim of a conditioning session or the aim of a conditioning session can be to obviously accumulate some level of fatigue, you know, whether it's a hard aerobic session or a lactate drill or anything like that, you know, we, we are going to be accumulating some fatigue and we're going to be getting tired. So the worst thing we can do really is in the middle of that session, throwing in highly technical movements that require a lot of demand from the central nervous system they're quite hard to to teach and to learn they're very technical let's take for example a snatch a barbell snatch we wouldn't put that in the middle of a conditioning session because it's a finally you know so it's a very high skill movement um and if we're doing that after doing you know a load of sprints on the bike or we're doing you know a run or a prowler or anything like that and then we go into a snatch because it's such a technically you know you've got to be so technically efficient in the movement with a bit of central nervous fatigue positions can go at place we're not as efficient in the movement as we'd like to be we're not going to produce as much power as we'd like to anyway because we're fatigued so it's kind of a bit pointless and because it's a highly complex movement then again the risk of something going wrong is a is a lot higher like you said, there's the injury thing there, and you touched on it slightly. Was if if you give someone a snatch and they can't produce, a, they can't perform a snatch very well, the actual output is just going to be so low anyway that you're not going to get the adaptation you want. It's kind of pointless, yeah. Versus doing something that you know a hip extension exercise that's a bit more simple, yeah. like an overhead throw or kettlebell swing. Yeah, um, you're going to get so much more of the adaptation from there because you can perform it really well. So and you're you're repeating bad bad habits as well yeah you know like say if you're if you're doing that highly complex movement under fatigue you know it's pretty obvious to to know that you know positions are going to be slightly out and the more we're doing that the more repetition you know it's uh you know practice doesn't always make perfect if 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 the practice is poorly done you know it's like you know it's got to be it's got to be done done well if we want to get to that perfect stage so you know repeating bad habits and bad movement patterns is going to affect the skill negatively it's the same with, so if you look at the low and the skill and the high skill, there are some movements in there that are quite, there are a higher skill. They're not the Olympic lifts in terms of technical demands, but like a broad jump is quite a technical thing in terms of trying to optimize your landing, optimizing hip extension. But we wouldn't do a broad jump in a 
capacity session bit, or in yeah. a tough anaerobic session where you could massively get a breath. We would do it in the output session where you're doing about six to 10 seconds of work and you've got a full minute to recovery. So you're never actually accumulating that same level yeah. of fatigue. So there are some exercises there that are higher skill, but we try and keep those for the output section where it's trying to maximize your performance, maximize your speed and power. So then stuff like sprints at like top end speed, um, jumps, yeah. some kind of throws as well. We do those in the output and then the yeah. capacity where Mark said about accumulating the fatigue and working under like builds up of lactate, building up just like a hard heart rate, which then is going to make you really fatigue. We keep the exercises super simple. So yeah. even if you look at like a, on a continuum, the, the highest skill, which is still in the grand scheme of things, lower skill than what you did for like Olympic lifting or for yeah. strength training uh, are going to be performed in the output section. And then your high capacity work is going to be super low skill. It's going to yeah. be pushing a sledge, dragging a sledge, yeah. ski erg, bike, and you, you, you really can't do them monk. 100% like, yeah, as you say, we're not going to the level of like Olympic lifts and snatches and things, but there are some, you know, relatively technical movements like moderate, let's say like trap bar jumps, box jumps, board yeah. jumps, uh, anything that's kind of you know jumping fast, explosive, and like set, you know, I think you know one of the ones that's quite hard to watch is when people do like repetitive box jumps for like you know a hundred reps and things Just like that. Just clearing the box at the last. Uh, yeah, really. and it's like it, it, you know, there's it's, it's a great exercise, but it's put into the wrong context. Um, you know that that's a that, that's a power output movement. By all means, do it, but let's just put it in the in the output section in the a lactate section. And like I say, when we move into capacity, so for example, like some of our, our aerobic blocks, we might be doing like you know two minutes to six minutes or seven minutes without without a rest. We're, we're pushing hard, and that you know accumulates a hell of a lot of fatigue. Then we want to make the skill level as low as possible. Let's march with a prowler, let's drag a sled, let's be on the bike. The injury risk of dragging a sled wrong is zero. Yeah, pretty, it, pretty much as close to zero as you could possibly yeah. get, yeah. Whereas if you're doing like six minutes of, you know, box jumps into broad jumps, you it's know. A fucking snatch. Into snatch, yeah, easy. Yeah, I mean, we laugh, but like people, people, yeah, do, us. Yeah, people, people, yeah. people do it. So uh, yeah, it's uh, like I say, yeah, that kind of exercise selection and low skill versus high skill is, important you know it's important to to note and take into consideration so like i say i think to summarize that aspect in terms of conditioning we would never go super high skill yeah we'd go maybe mod let's say moderate yes. moderate to the exercises that we choose for those which what you're trying to say is you can teach them in 10 minutes yes you yeah, can yeah. teach someone to do a board jump in 10 minutes you can't teach someone to do a snatch in 10 minutes so they're, they're very moderate they're easy to coach yeah. and once you've done a couple yeah. high output like tough on the cns like yeah. jumping is, is tough but let's put it in the right context so let's say those demand the more demanding movements we can do for the short periods of time yeah. at, as higher output as possible yeah. and then the capacity work where we're looking just for you know aerobic capacity just good solid goat work you know, we're looking at a low, as lower skill as, as possible. Because another thing to think about is, like you said, where if you're doing like a two-minute max effort, imagine that last 15 seconds and you're just like, right, max effort, box jumps, let's go. You're going to fucking go shin first. You're going to do a Carl Sargent and go shin first into the box. If you're doing two minutes max effort on the bike, that last 15 seconds, you can go absolutely ham. Your position might be slightly compromised, but you flexing your back yeah. on the on the bike compared to really flexing your back trying to do a snatch is a completely different Yeah, 100%, 100%. Make life easier for yourself. And like you said, yeah, if it, if it is that capacity and, you know, the, the idea is like, you know, heart rate focused as much capacity as hard as we can like you say that aerobic side of things right we can push 15 20 seconds left like you say if you're on a bike 
okay. Like we might not be in a perfect position, but we're not going to hurt ourselves. Yeah, it's it's okay. Let's yeah. just let's yeah. push it. Let's work hard. Like say, if it's box jump, if it's snatch, if it's like something like that, you, you're, you're asking for trouble. You're you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think like yeah, take take the skill into into account. In regards to exercise selection, what's your opinion, and what do you use for um, like our blocks of training? So. Like, do you quite like keeping exercises the same for a certain amount of weeks, or do you like to, to alternate the reps? Uh, sorry, alternate the exercises, but keep the rep schemes around the same. Because with our with yeah. our Metcon, similar to what we spoke about with our barbell, we typically have like a normally around a four week block for the Metcon, uh, where we're working towards some kind of goal slash testing on that last week, and kind of a bit of a push to kind of gauge where we're at. And then every like twelve to sixteen weeks, we do some performance testing. So we're checking everyone's improving, and these performance uh, metrics that we're keeping is like a like a 10 meter sprint, a prowler sprint, a 100 meter roll. We're making sure that people are improving. So I think that's good for motivation and it's good to make sure Big that time. you're getting good adaptation to yeah. the speed of it's split. Absolutely. Yeah. But do you like to alternate the exercise or do you like to mm. keep them the same? So we, yeah, with the with the conditioning block, as you say, if we're looking at an average of four weeks per block, uh, personally I'd like to keep the exercises as similar as possible. Um, there's a little bit more flexibility. If we're talking about strength training in a strength block, you know, normally we work four week block, sometimes five, six, or whatever. You know, with, with strength training, um, we're looking at more technical movements. 100% rule of thumb. We keep the exercises the same for that four week block before we move on to other other exercises. The reason being is we want to develop the skill of the movement. We want to give ourselves enough time to build towards an adaptation. We spoke about intro weeks before week one. Let's say it's a back squat. Um, week one might be three sets of five at you know, 65, 70%, six RPE. Then we want to push on. Now, if I'm doing the back squat week one and then I'm changing it to a front squat or I'm changing it to something different week two, I'm not giving myself enough time to develop the skill the and the familiarization and therefore get enough out of the exercise in terms of intensity and volume to create an adaptation. Um, with conditioning work, I like to keep a fairly similar rule of thumb. There is a little bit more room for maneuverability. Okay, so like, for example, if I'm running like, yeah, the Friday morning conditioning session, most of the exercises, most of the time will be the same for the four weeks. And again, similar, you know, reasoning behind that as it is with the strength work where on that familiarization, like let's say we put in uh, a tire flip on week, on, on week one, for example. Um, so, you know, with, with that, um, again, another important thing to mention, if we're doing something like a tire flip, it's quite technical. In the conditioning sessions, again, we'd use that for very low repetitions and yeah. not, not fatigue ourselves. Um, but not to go off, too, off piece too much there. But like if we're learning the tire flip week one, and it's like the first time we've ever done it, I don't want to change that week two because there's so much room for growth there. Within By the, the time four, you come back to the tire, it's, you've got to learn it again. You've got to learn it again. So I would normally stick, like I say, with strength work, pretty much 100%. I'd keep the same uh, exercise selection for four weeks before changing. Uh, with conditioning, you know, 80 to 90%, I would keep the same. So like, for example, like if we change, you know, we, you know, if we, if we take a sledge push and change it to a sledge drag or the subtle variations, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's okay. As long as we're working the same energy systems yeah. and the same sort of timings um, and progressing in those aspects week on week, that's what we're looking for really yeah. but in terms of exercise selection as i said not quite as strict as strength work but generally speaking i'd like to keep the same for four weeks so we can familiarize improve because like you know sometimes like we go from week one to week two and someone goes from you know um you know dragging an eight you know a 
a 60 kilo sled to an 80 kilo sled and they might think oh i've got way better condition and it's like well you might have done you might have got a little bit of better condition but you've actually just got a bit better at the skill and it's the same with the tire it's the same with the tire it might go from 100 kilo to 200 kilo tire or whatever and it's like you've actually just familiarized yourself with the exercise but if we change the exercise again week two you would never have lifted that 200 kilo tire and there is yeah, but people think with exercise selection sometimes we've got to we've got to change every day we've got to do something different we've got to, you know do that sort of work out of the day type thing um, and it's like well you're leaving a lot on the table because like by doing week one and doing that exercise we're familiarizing ourselves and week yeah. two we're getting the stress and stimulus and therefore yeah. the adaptation by simply changing the weight because yeah. we're better at it you don't need to change the exercise we need to change you know in terms of adaptation we can change exercise intensity or volume now changing exercise all the time is useless because you don't get better at the skill and give yourself the capacity to get better and we change intensity you know and volume that can come from just learning learning the skill we can do a little bit better and there's your stress there's your stimulus there's your adaptation you don't need to change yeah, the exercise yeah. well like you just said like that's one of the flaws with a lot of the research is to have that like they come in they'll do a familiarization session and then the next session they do some testing then they do it again like four days later and they've improved their strength by 10 percent. and it's because they've got familiar with the exercise and like you said, from like a, an adaptation perspective, if you're learning exercises every week, obviously at some point you're going to know all the exercises if you're quite advanced and unconditioned all the time. Mm-hmm. But I've, yeah, like you just said, once you're familiar with exercise, you're familiar with the protocol, your output on that next week, two, week three, week four, is just going to be so much higher than if you're forgetting what you're meant to be doing or if you're not quite 100% of doing an exercise and you're focusing so much on actually performing it rather than just like actually doing the exercise, you're going yeah. to get so much more out of it. And you touched on it on the last one, again, like time and a place of when to rotate and when not to. So much like with your strength work, because it's high skill, you keep the exercises the same. It's the same with like the output session of my conditioning sessions is the same every week for four weeks because like last week we did banded broad jumps. First week of doing it, people are figuring out where does the band go, like how do we do it. Week two, they're going to be more familiar. And it's a chance just to, to really develop that skill. And as your skill improves, your output's going to improve as well. The adaptation's going to be a little bit better. The capacity side of things where it's, you know, your longer piece of work, your shorter recovery, I'm going to have more rotation in there. Because that little, yeah. Some people need the variability for the enjoyment elements of it. And there's nothing wrong with that, like you said, as long as it's still working the overarching concept yeah. of, of what you've set the program to develop. Uh, there is definitely room for that. The, similar to like with um, like normal strength training, as you kind of get more specific as you get towards your goals, it's the same with the conditioning. We've mentioned that we do performance testing to make sure people improve in, in the ways that we want them to. When we're getting ready for performance testing, which I said is like every 12 to 16 weeks, that last block is going to be highly specific to developing the lift we want in. Because if one of the testing is a broad jump, if we're two weeks out and we're doing vertical jump, or we're doing something that's not even joint angle specific to a broad jump then it's we're not going to get that same outcome as if we'd spent the last few weeks doing broad jump so yeah. as we're getting close to testing we're a lot more specific and we're keeping the exercises the same during the output we're keeping the exercises the same and we're really focusing on developing them uh, capacity there's definitely more room for, for sure. variation that's a great rule of thumb for any sort of training program isn't it like you you know you're going from like almost your general to your specific so it'd be the same with your powerlifting, for example like you know the further away you are from a comp you know, there's that bit more room for variability and exercises. You know, we can, we can mix things up a little bit more as we get closer towards competition, you know, 
then obviously we need to we need to be a bit more specific and that's the same in a you know in a weightlifting program that's the same in a rugby program you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so like in a weightlifting program we might be doing loads of like snatch work off the blocks 12 16 weeks yeah. out as we come into eight weeks out you know six weeks out then we're doing you know snatch singles off the floor or doubles and getting used yes. to the full full movement um and like you say same in conditioning especially if we're working towards uh, some testing that we want to, you know, start being a little bit more specific. Yeah. What is your, so we, we've kind of talked through the high school, the low school, what we're trying to do in terms of the progression, you mentioned about like, you, you don't have to alternate the exercises as long as you keep them within like the overarching concepts. How do you progress them like week on week? Yeah. So if we talk- do you even progress them? Yeah, I think you, you look into looking to progress them. I think with like, you know, general pop with like loads of medium experience, like, you can progress technically without actually changing anything because the, like I say, the skill level gets better. Like naturally they're just going to put a bit more output in. They're going to become more familiarized, more confident, et cetera, et cetera. But generally speaking, like, yeah, I'd look at, you know, improving the, the volume and the increasing the, the volume and the intensity throughout a four week block. Um, so for example, like if we're doing a, um, you know, let, let's say a prowler sprint, for example, uh, we might be starting off at you know 30 percent of body weight next week we might actually go to 20 percent of body weight then next week 10 percent of body weight we're looking to increase the speed stimulus um as we as we you know as we go through the through the weeks um if we're looking at um you know if we're looking at uh, uh, capacity for example um you know we might be building from a you know four you know a four minute bike to a five minute bike to a six minute bike or we might be just keeping it the same and saying guys aim for you, you know aim, aim to aim to improve on what you did last time yeah. that can be a way of improving capacity um and in terms of in terms of uh you know jumps and things like that okay we're not necessarily looking at um measuring you know, jump every time we do it, um, but we might be looking at um, again, you know, altering the amount of volume we're doing on it, or maybe we're going from like, you know, a broad jump where we're looking at the real mechanics of sticking the landing to sort of after a few weeks or a couple of weeks, let them go and say, right, max effort. And we might even go to a triple bound or something like that. So again, that's where like you might not contradict myself, but like go into the exercise selection. That's where you might just put a little spin on it and tweak that. um, You've not gone from a black to white. You've gone from a broad jump to a a bound. Like it's it's not completely. Yeah, exactly. So a way of increasing like your banding broad jump might be from going from, from that into a broad jump without the, Without the resistance, I was going to add ten bands. That could be another way of doing it. Yeah, really resisted band. <laughs> uh, I think another the jump. Thing... The jump would be fun, but it won't be more fun. It's watching people pull ping back. back. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's like the uh, blow up centers where you're trying to get the fucking thing at the end, and then you get pulled back. Yeah, I think you touched on it slightly, but I just wanted to say as well, like keeping the goal. The goal is key when you're trying to progress. Like you said, your output is based around improving your output, your speed, your power, and your capacity is about building capacity. And I think you need to keep those goals in mind when you're looking at your progressions. So if you're doing output and you're adding volume to it, so you're like, okay, week one is a 10-meter sledge push, then week two is a 15-meter, then a 20. All of a sudden, it's becoming more about capacity and less about your actual power output and your speed output. And the same can be said about capacity, where you might say week one, we start at a minute max work, then next week we do 50, minutes, uh, 50 seconds and 40. And all of a sudden, it's this gray area where they're kind of merged into both. Yeah. So I think with your output, you're trying to progress the output element of it. So you're trying to increase the intensity. So by nature, by definition, the speed you're working for has to stay down or even reduce. So people think, oh, week one was easy, it was only 10 meters. And then next week might be eight meters. And it might or it might be more rest to try and facilitate, trying to get more speed. 
And that might seem like counterintuitive to people, but when you think that the aim is to improve your speed and power, actually allowing more recovery, even though it's going to be easier in terms of like how gassed you are, it's going to be better in terms of producing your maximal speed. Yeah. And it's the same with your capacity. If you're trying to improve your aerobic base, trying to increase the speed can be a great thing, but actually as well, improving the distance is, is, is more, maybe at least as good of an option. So you're either trying to improve the amount of work you're doing within a certain amount of time, or you're looking to progress the amount of work, but you're never looking to, to really reduce the amount of work. Um, yeah. Because then it's becoming a bit more output focused. So. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's just having good clarity in your, in your goals, isn't yeah. it? Like you say, um, you know, a simple you know, capacity, you know, thing could be like with a prowler. Let's say you put your body weight on top of the prowler. Week one, you say, right, go guys. You got, you know, you got two minutes to hit as much distance as you can. And then next week, it might be as simple as beat that distance. Yeah, and therefore, change anything. And, yeah. and, and therefore, you know, and therefore, you know, like say, if you're looking at like capacity, you might not want to reduce the weight or increase the weight or anything like that. You might keep all those variables the same, and it's just beating the distance. Yeah. Or it might be like, right, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go for, um, you know, a minute twenty or a minute thirty or two minutes. Or you might have two um, intervals and then just reduce the rest in between. But like you say, if you're looking to, you know, if you're looking to improve, you know, speed on the bike, you're not gonna go from six seconds to eight seconds, to ten seconds to, to twelve seconds because you know it's not really what you're trying to try and try and yeah. improve. Um, if we're looking at like weighted sprints, for example, like, and we want to improve speed. I'm not going to like just keep, keep adding weight. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to increase distance from like 15 to 20 meters. I'm going to keep all those variables the same, and I'm just going to reduce the weight yeah. weekly, very slightly and gradually, so that the speed improves week on week. So again, you know, I mean, it's like it, there's lots of things to consider, but I say general rule of thumb is like, right, what's the goal? Um, and then it's like, like I say, exercise selection can be the same, um, or it could be like. A very minimal, you know, progression. Like I say, it could be it could be ballistic, right? Standing broad jump, week one and two, and then it could be triple jump, week three and four. That that's fine. That's enough. Um, it could be like you know, it, it could be counter movement jump. Um, we could be pausing in the bottom position before we jump up. You know, so we so we're going like we're adding an isometric component. Then it might be right. Okay, we're going to go. You know, we're going to dip and then go. So we're adding like the elasticity, the elasticity of the eccentric component, yeah. uh, and then it might be repetitive bands. So that's a real simple way of saying right. We've got a four week block with you know a field athlete. That's how we're going to uh, pro progress that output uh, aspect of conditioning. You know, pause, eccentric, repetitive. Yeah, you know, reactive. That might be a simple way of uh, doing it. So, it doesn't have to be over overly complex. Again, you don't have to be changing exercises every every session. Um, just those very subtle subtle variations and uh, keep the goal the goal. Keep the goal the goal. Yeah. So I guess the last thing to talk about is when, like, looking at the research, looking at what you would do with clients. Uh, when are you programming and conditioning? Uh, when are you pushing it? When are you easing back? Uh, when is the best time to do it? Um, yeah. I think like it's one of the one of one of the key things really um, in terms of like it's just get just getting your timing right with these kind of things. Um, so like you know if we say um, let, let's let's narrow this down to three options. Let's say right okay you can do your strength training one day, you can do your conditioning the next day. Then you can do your strength training the day after that. So you do one day on, one day off. Uh, another option might be doing it in the same day, okay, where you're splitting the, the sessions to, let's say, a.m. and p.m. So we might be doing some strength training in the morning and some conditioning in the evening. And a third option might be doing it in the same session. 
So you're doing like, you know, 50 minutes of strength work and 10 minutes of conditioning at the end. Um, so, you know, the key, the key is that like, you know, anything can work in that respect. It's just making sure that we, we know what the, uh, you know, taking into account you know, the goals of the client, the work schedule, sure. how many times a week they can come to the gym. Um, yeah, if you say AM and PM and they're working, they just actually well, exactly. can't do it, so it yeah. doesn't matter. Exactly. And in, and in testing, yeah, exactly. You might, you know, and again, I think this is like an absolutely key point of coaching is like your preference might be like, you know, one of my big preferences is AM, PM. Like I love like the aspect of, you know, let's say on a high, you know, high intensity day, we're doing like some sprints in the morning and we're doing some gym, you know, some, yeah. some heavy lifting in the evening, but that, you know, that's, that's my favorite approach, but that's not going to work for, you know, some of your, some of your clients that's not going to work for, for, for everyone. So I think like the first thing to consider is again, that individuality and how everybody's different yeah. and we need to consider the whole picture before we, yeah, you know, start start picking. Yeah. picking it's much like anything. It, it has to fit your schedule. It doesn't matter if I say, oh, the best protocol is strength in the morning, conditioning in the night. If you have a young family or you want to go home to your partner or just want to go home and have some downtime, it's not going to work. Um, but all things being equal, then the research does say a couple of different yeah. things. So ideally, if, if you had the time to do it, the best thing you can do is separate your strength training from your conditioning work by 24 hours. So doing it on separate days is the best approach if you can make that work uh, in terms of like the interference effect that people talk about it is absolutely minimized if you can do it on alternating days so there's a few things to think about when you're doing that is like you know if you're doing conditioning on a tuesday and then strength on a wednesday you want the conditioning to be set up so that it's not massively conflicting with your strength work so being easy on the eccentrics yeah. um not going crazy with the volume is probably going to be a good idea uh, but yeah all things being equal doing 24 it on hours 24 yeah. hours is the best thing the next best approach is am and pm um, and another thing to think about there is what is your priority is probably the one that you should do first um so if your priority if you're a marathon runner you should probably do your run first and then your cardio uh, sorry your strength training after and if your priority for most people is strength and then your conditioning you would do it in that order yeah and then yeah. the last option which has the biggest interference would be your session and then conditioning after it or vice versa um, yeah. yeah exactly yeah um as i say and then you know it's just taking taking all those things into uh, into account isn't it like say if you can you know if you can split those and do say you know day have, have that 24 hours in between before you hit your conditioning, you're gonna get a bit more bang for your buck. You're gonna be able to perform at a little bit of a higher, higher level, really. Um, if you're like, um, if you're a field athlete, for example, like, uh, you know, I like the AM PM because there's a lot to fit in. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of strength, a lot of conditioning, a lot of, a lot of skill work to fit in, and you know, doing that on that on the same same day and having your high days and your low days works works really well. Um, so a really like, good example of that is if you watch like yeah, I love the basketball at the minute, but the basketball, they finish your game, they go backstage and they're in the weight room, yeah. and they're condensing all their high day into a massive high day, and then the day after they're taking a low day or a recovery day, they're condensing all the work into that high day, like you just said. So you aim at yeah. the game is hard. The next one might be a low day where you're trying to facilitate recovery. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for example, like I might run like a, a low day on a Monday, which might be um, you know um, if I'm if I'm doing up sometimes. Some blocks I'll do up as low as some days. Uh, some blocks is full body, but let's just say up as low as on a Monday. I might be doing like upper body weights in the evening. I might be doing a tempo run. Now it's really important when I do that 
that it's the tempo run is at a low enough level that it's not going to interfere with my performance the next day uh, with the with the higher day. So my tempo run, I'll be making sure my heart rate's in a in a certain certain area, uh, making sure it's not going not going too high, so it's not eating away at my recovery. And then the next day, come in and do a lower session, which is high intensity, um, along with some sprints or you know some form of a lactate work. So I might come in the morning and do sprints, and then in the evening you're doing your your weights. Obviously, that's quite a demanding schedule, but then on the Wednesday I can have the day off. Um, you know, some very low-level recovery. And the important um, thing you said there is on, your, on that lower day, so what we said about your conditioning, is you're not looking to massively improve on your lower day. Your lower day stays low the whole time. You're not looking to add volume. You're not looking to add speed. Yeah. You're looking to keep the heart rate nice and low. Um, so exactly. if you suddenly start trying to improve your lower day, it's yeah. going to get blurred again into like a, a medium day, let's call it. Well, that's it. Yeah, I think like, you know, hopefully not divulging too much into like field sports here, but like, yeah, it's, you know, if you're, if you're doing that, that low day on the on the Monday, for example, you do your upper body weights now, you know, no matter how hard you push your upper body days, it's, you know, if you're just doing uppers, it's going to be pretty low. Um, and then you go into like your evening tempo run. Now, if you start doing, you know, start doing suicides or broncos and things like that, um, and, and they are great tests slash training tools in their own right. Um, but all of a sudden then we're working, you know, anaerobically, we're hitting some lactate, the recovery process becomes longer and then all of a sudden I'm trying to come in in the morning and I'm trying to do some sprints or I'm trying to do some deadlifts or something up, you know, higher, higher output and higher intensity because I'm so tired from, you know, overstepping the mark in the lower days, then I'm not going to produce that same output. And then the whole training process becomes kind of pointless. Um, or at least we're not getting you anywhere near the, the, the most like what's the point in kind of, you know, trying to do that high day if you're nowhere near, you, you, capacity, you know, you, you know, you, you haven't got the engine to do it. So by definition, then it's not a high day and everything just merges into this gray area where like every day is a bit moderate. Um, like we have a decent, you know, conditioning session on that Monday night, which is pretty good. But then we're too tired then to actually do a good broad jump the next morning or a good sprint or a good deadlift. And that's kind of average. Then we have a day off on the Wednesday, which is kind of average because we feel a bit shit because we've trained too hard in the two days. And then we go back in and that cycle can roll on and on, you know, on and on. So I think like that's, if you are doing your two a days, which again, like, you know, um, like hundred percent, you know, agree with Luke and the, the, the science is there in terms of the recovery. If you can do day on day off, that's ideal. But like I said, from a field athlete point of view, sometimes we might have to go into those, those two, two a days. Um, then just, you know, just make sure that, you know, you're having your high days and your low days. Um, so on the low days, we're still getting a lot of good work done. We're building aerobic base. We're doing some upper body work, or maybe if it's full body, we're doing some accessories. So we are improving, but we're just not tapping into that fatigue, in, 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 into that fatigue too much, so that when we go to the high day, we can't produce the kind of output that we that we want to really. And then I think for your everyday person that can't go just to the gym twice a day, which is, let's be honest, 80, 90% of people, people yeah. absolutely. Doing it back to back is absolutely not a problem as well. I would just say that like, if you're looking at the research, like trying to do a big session and then going back to the gym the day after is going to be quite tough. 
Um, so like you said, make sure if you're going in the day after to do a low day, or if you're going to do another hard day, maybe go Monday, Wednesday, if you're going to be doing two hard sessions. Because you look at like the research on training to failure, it's normally about 48 hours yeah. to, to get to back to a baseline of performance. So if you're pushing conditioning hard, pushing your strength work hard, the day after is going to be is, is going to be tough to do. So if you're combining them both together, I'd say 48 hours before you're doing another hard session, exactly the same again. Yeah. Um, on that note, what do you think about like the interference effects? If you were looking to, because we've said that everyone should have a combination of the two, what do you think about the interference effect if you're trying to develop your strength of doing conditioning and vice versa if you're doing your conditioning and doing some strength work? What's, what do you know about the interference in terms of the research, what you've seen with your clients anecdotally, yourself? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like, again, it's, it's, it's taking everything into consideration. Like how many times can we get, like say if we've got that, you know, if we've got that marathon runner and we're trying to smash four gym sessions a week and trying to do, you know, four strength sessions, that's going to be, you know, not not the ideal way to do it. Um, so, again, just like, you know, the implementation of just, you know, understanding um, the outputs, you know, how hard we're working, how easy we're working, what energy systems we're working, et cetera, et cetera, whether it's a big heavy compound day, whether it's accessory work, I think that's, you know, all, all to be taken into uh, in, into consideration, really. So what um, you're saying is the poison is in the dosage. The poison is in the dosage, the absolutely. In the dosage. Well, if we go back to, like, what we were talking about earlier with the, the scale of, like, you know, your powerlifter one end, your marathon runner at the other end. Now, you know, with a, like, let's take, take a powerlifter for, you know, as, as an example, um, you know, for your, um, for your aerobic work, for example, like, that might be a case of, like, on, you know, getting your step count up or on, on one of your off days, factoring in that you can do a bit of hiking for example if the you know maybe if the next day is not that heavy um you know etc etc and like say with a with a marathon runner it's just being a little bit careful of like right okay i've done my you know i've done my my big 15 miler you know on a on a, on a sunday do i really want to go in and do the heavy stuff on a on a tuesday so yeah it's absolutely like you know it's it's all down to, to dosage you know. my, uh, my, yeah, absolutely the dosage. My opinion on it is, is like me wanting to, to be the best powerlifter I can and doing a little bit of basketball, doing a little bit of hiking. Me doing that at such a low level where I'm not trying to become the best basketballer in the world. I'm not trying to become this mad hiker that's training for the three peaks. Me doing a little bit of that and then really prioritizing my strength training, it's not. It's going to be a very, very, if any, minor effect. I don't think any effects, but let's say 1% for the sake of the conversation. That compared to me saying, I really want to be the best powerlifter and I also want to be the best basketball player and I want to do the three peaks and I want to break the record for it then when you're competing in both of them, it becomes really difficult. If I wanted to do running, which I absolutely don't, but if someone wanted to like, I don't know, do a 10K, if I, I could train for a 10K and still powerlift, and I think it'd be very minimal um, effect on my powerlifting training. If I then said, I want to win the best 10K time in Birmingham, it's going to have an effect because the amount of effort it's going to take to then become the best runner is going to take away from the effort of powerlifting. If you want to do something allegedly, and if your main focus is on strength or on marathon running, and then you do a couple of strength sessions a week if you're a marathon runner, and it's at such a low level where you're not coming in like like a powerlifter and doing three-hour sessions of squats, uh, really pushing the volume, really pushing the intensity. If you're doing it to complement your marathon running, it's going to have a, a positive effect from everything, but it's not going to have a, a negative effect on your marathon running. If you were a marathon runner and did four times a week strength sessions, it's going to interfere with your training as yeah. well as taking away from the time yeah. that you do in the marathon running. Is that, yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is dosage, isn't it? Like if I have a game on a Saturday, for example, and then, 
you know, I'm running up and down, you know, Snowdon on a Sunday, you know, that's a level of hiking and, you know, aerobic stuff that yeah. is going to be way too, you know, way too high that it's going to impact my recovery and I'm going to be battered on Monday and Tuesday. You go to Shropshire for a leisurely lunch and <laughs> a nice little walk. Exactly. It's going to have no effect. It's, it's going to have no effect. Do you have a walk with your enjoyable. partner on the, uh, your wife on the uh, on the, on the weekend is going to have no effect on your rugby training. Yeah. But you trying to sprint up Snowden to break the record and do it in an hour is going to affect exactly. your training. Yeah. So. Dosage, intensity, and like, I, I'm, I'm massive on like, I love the fact that like, you've got into basketball, for example. Like, I love that because it's like, you know, powerlifting is obviously the, like the, the number one priority and the goal and, you know, nothing's going to stop you from, you know, pursuing that. Um, but it's like, you know, I, I'm just a big fan of like having other interests and things. I think it can be like a real mental thing, like where, you know, you go and play basketball and for, for you know, for half an hour, an hour, yeah. you can, you can forget about powerlifting. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can forget about work. You can forget about anything. And like when that. I'm playing basketball, it's a couple of legendary. Yeah. Like footballers yeah. play, play a lot of golf. Yeah, it's yeah like, absolutely. But know, that golf can take away from me. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, but it's that, it's that slightly different stimulus, yeah. very low level aerobic recovery type work. Let's say when I'm playing basketball, it's like a, a couple of games of course, and a, you know maybe a little bit of one on one, just low low level. I'm not trying to like be in the NBA. I'm not trying to train that hard. It's it's there for enjoyment. It's there because I enjoy doing it. It's yeah, the dosage again is the key thing to it. Yeah, hundred percent. And it, yeah, like uh, another example is like a, a new client I've taken on recently is doing like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And he's like, you know, what should I do on that Wednesday? Should I be, you know, smashing in the gym? Should I be doing this? And I'm like, absolutely not. Um, um, you know, what I want you to do is I want you to hit X amount of steps. I want you to go, go out for a walk with the missus. You know, I want you to like, you know, get out and get some fresh air. Or like, you know, and then it gets to it gets to his weekend and it's like, right, okay, we're just going to like, you know, monitor the food a little bit. And like, yeah. we're going to like, I said, you know, that you've, you've worked bloody hard during the, during the week. We've done some... You know, with with him, it's like the the goal is actually weight loss, but the majority of training is strength and power and, and speed type work. Um, and then I'll say on a weekend, right? You know, on one of the days you're gonna go, you're gonna go for a, a walk. You know, he likes getting outside, likes hiking and stuff. It's like right, go out for a low level. You know, I say hike. I mean, you know, probably, probably not that level, but like walk to the reservoir. Getting, I see. Well, yeah, exactly. You've done a lap of the reservoir, so it's like right on one of those days. I want you to go and do that, sure. and the other day, do what you want. Like just have a just have a chill, like have yeah. a day off. Um, exactly, exactly. So you're getting him to do conditioning on his day on it on his days off, but it's at a level that isn't going to destroy him and tap into his recovery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Big time. Boom. Happy? Say no more. Say no more. Yeah. Right, okay, fantastic. I think that was, uh, yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything we yeah. we wanted yeah, to yeah. there. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up, guys. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that podcast. That was, quite, that was, a, that was a fun one. I guess good to the note I'd like to end it on, actually, would be that like the Met Conversations are fantastic. They build general conditioning qualities, and they're great for the majority of people. They're great for everyone further away from competition if you're a sports person and you demand you require specific conditioning you've got specific demands probably doing the metcon when you're in season isn't going to be their best idea if your sport is sprinting or if your sport is like a field sport so again like it's making sure that the goal stays the goal and that the work that you're doing is based around that so i guess i'm saying that like the metcon sessions are fantastic for everyone but if they're not specific to your goals as you get close towards something, then maybe that's the time then to, to kind of yeah. ease back on it and make sure the conditioning you do is specific yeah. to yourself. My yeah, example is I've just I've just done a six, you know, six week block of 
doing your two Tuesday yeah, night Metcon. Uh, it's been great fun first and foremost because it's you know it's different, and I think like conditioning in a group environment is just so much nicer, <laughs> so much nicer. Yeah, uh, than going out on your own. Um, but like, yeah, my sort of off season was like starting off with. Um, you know some some tempo runs yeah. like just to build a bit of tolerance and just keep something you know once a week uh, just keep some form of running and then this has just been a really good opportunity to like go beyond the aerobic you know side of things and tap into a bit of anaerobic bit of lactate some extra power type stuff and work yeah. bloody hard yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. sticking out on a tuesday night so i'll come in tuesday morning i do like fairly low volume high intensity hit some you know hit some big lifts um you know give myself as close to 12 hours as i possibly can uh and then hitting that hard session and i've got the wednesday off yeah, you know and then first and then thursday's a low day anyway so it's like i've not got my next high day till friday so i've got you know 72 hours recovery there um and it's like that's a great opportunity and small time frame where i can get six seven weeks of like high intensity conditioning in that isn't going to affect anything else and carry over really nicely before a start you know pre-season next week which you know will will be tuesday thursday nights and probably Saturdays as well. And then all of a sudden you've got to start being yeah. a little bit more careful where exactly. that's going to be my high days. So like at most conditioning wise, I'll be doing one tempo run a week and that'll be fairly minimal in season. I normally don't do any, but you know, sure. I, I like at most I might do, you know, game Saturday, active recovery Sunday and Monday morning might be a low, a low level tempo run. It's like if you're, once a week. If, if you're a runner and you're getting ready to run the 10 K and you're competitive and you want to win in the best time you can doing Metcon 12 weeks out would be a fantastic idea. Four weeks out. I'm not sure if it's the best idea sure. to do. That's kind of just to clarify on that point. So yeah, yeah using them as and when needed. Um, but then as you're, like I said, things should be getting more specific as you get ready for your, your competition or your season. Uh, so just taking that into mind. But if your goal is just to be as best conditioned as you can, then the Metcon will nothing be because the amount of work you're going to do in a group compared to being by yourself oh, is massive. So if your goal is to be really good at conditioning, the Metcons yeah. are unreal for it. Yeah, I'd, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty self-motivated with my training and my conditioning. I, I actually enjoy conditioning work. But for me, like so doing, yeah, it, doing, it, doing it in a group compared to on my own is, is, a, is a huge difference, to be honest. Yeah. Like, so if you can, train in a group, expensive. push stuff an extra few percent. Um, yeah. Boom. There you go. Get yourself signed up for the Metcon Games, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers, guys. Boom.